0: well hi everyone and welcome to alzheimer speaks radio i'm your host Lori lebay and i'm thrilled you're joining us today we are going to have a great conversation about up empowerment and how to accommodate and support someone that you are caring for but before i introduce our guest, i always like to welcome our new listeners because we we hear from people all around the world all the time and so, for those of you that aren't familiar with us, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio basically was started because my own mom lived with dementia for 30 years, and I really wanted to connect people to services, products, and tools all around the world, um, give them hope, and inspire them in new ways to care. Because I know it can it can be a long, hard road when you're when you're feeling isolated or, or disconnected. <clears throat> so our show is about an hour long. Um, We are not about sound bites. We are about sound information and conversation. So um, maybe you can be our next guest. Everyone is welcome from those diagnosed, family and friends that are caring for a loved one to a whole array of business professionals and artists and performers. So we've had authors, movie directors, uh, singers, songwriters, activists, advocates, researchers, you name it. And you know i think stories are really powerful and i think that's how we change our mindsets is is actually by touching people's hearts through real authentic stories now i also want to mention that Alzheimer's speaks has a main website just dot and there you can find a ton of information in fact we have one full section dedicated to free resources so you can find um, tools <clears throat> you can get connected to the radio show uh, to Dementia Chats, where you'll hear um, specifically from those living with dementia and what their wants and needs are, as well as Dementia in the Arts, where they highlight their work, um, if you're interested in, <clears throat> excuse me, becoming part of the purple angel movement or a dementia friendly group or memory cafes we can help you out with that and so much more so just go to AlzheimerSpeaks.com for that information we also provide programs and services and help people with their marketing and so forth etc and i am very excited uh betty the bald chicken is a key uh note um story that i have told for years and years and people have asked me to put it in book form we are in the process of just doing the final editing of that and so betty the bald chicken lessons in how to care which is a children's book um, is available to pre-order right now through our site or um, you can wait until it is live but very very excited to get that off into the public's hands and it's not just dementia specific it deals really with any diversity so we're and whenever you don't feel like you fit in if it's bullying if it's divorce if it's a death um, I, the list goes on and on we've all been there we know it doesn't feel good and we know there's better ways to care i'd also like to give a shout out to the foot bar walker and to the adaptive equipment and caregiving corner so let's go ahead and introduce our guest today um, i have the privilege of talking with emerson lee and uh, she uses the um, pronouns um, they and them and so they are an end of life doula a elder support person uh she they have been um, certified as a certified <clears throat> excuse me they have been certified as a dementia practitioner and they are the found, founders of Memory uh, Happy Memories Elder Support, um, which we're going to go into detail. And their practice um, supports current and future elders uh, in order to live fully in terms of um, their life and disabilities, if it's dementia or not. So, uh, Emerson, uh, you are also a neuro. Uh, A uh, neurodivergent person, so I want you to talk a little bit about that. You are very creative and you're a lover of dogs, flowers, and Mm -hmm. cake. So welcome to the show today. I am thrilled to have you and to be able to hear your story today.
1: Hi. Hi, Lori and everyone. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, It's such an honor to be a tiny part of what is this whole global network of, um, as you mentioned, all these resources. Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, you're right. I'm neurodivergent, which is a new discovery for me. And it's interesting because one of the first questions people ask, I'm sure you've experienced too, is how did you get into dementia care? And it's been interesting lately to realize that I got into dementia care because my brain is different. And so I feel comfortable around other people with different brains. And I always saw the sense of kinship and solidarity with people living with dementia, um, It felt like I was spending time with friends more than caring for someone. Um, So that's been a really cool thing to explore. Um, As a neurodivergent person, I'm um, autistic and have ADHD. um, And I am still exploring all of the overlaps of kinship and, um, you know, how we can understand each other better through having different kinds of brains. Wonderful.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. Sometimes that's difficult for people to to talk about when it touches them personally. A lot of times it's easy to talk about everybody else's issues and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and yet, um, I think, you know, it it this is so common. And, you know, we're all a little bit different and we're wired differently and that's how we can better understand uh to work together and develop friendships and bonds and, and be supportive is having a better understanding, so thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I ask all my guests this, if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends, so have you had any, any relatives or friends that have been uh, diagnosed
1: with dementia? That's such a good question, because i I had gotten to know my uncle who was living with it, which is part of why I got into dementia care, but I never had, like, a really significant person in my life who really substantially, you know, altered my experience of dementia. So that's one of the reasons why it now makes sense to me that my autism is part of why I'm in this work. Cause I, um, I always felt like I should have, you know, like a person or someone. Um, and now I'm like, Oh, maybe it was, it was me in some ways. Um, but I did, I did get to know my uncle. We did, um, spend time together that I didn't expect to be so lively and fun. Uh, he had always been a health nut and we found ourselves eating burgers and playing silly games, um, things like that. And so he did, he, he wasn't kind of the huge driving force it is for some people like your mom and your 30 years together. Um, but he was certainly one of my first friends with dementia.
0: Okay, wonderful. well, thanks for sharing that I, I think it's rare when I talk to somebody who hasn't been touched, but sometimes uh, that is the case um and then most that I'm interviewing, of course have have clients or or contacts um that might not be in their immediate you know personal circle there but it's it is it's very rare when someone hasn't been touched these days um yeah, I. Let's talk a little bit more about your your path into this work. Was uh, you know when did you start it? Um, what really initiated it for you? And you know, was there like that? A lot of times, there's like one moment that just kind of pushes you, kind of over the edge or forward, going, "No, you can't. You can't ignore this anymore. <laughs> this is what you're supposed
1: to do." Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because it really is like this long, winding journey with all these little steps and then kind of a big leap. And for me, you know, some of those steps were time with my uncle, volunteering with a woman living with dementia. I took a class on aging that completely changed my entire life. Um, And those were just small steps. And then when I moved to a new state, I moved down to Arizona, and I was applying for jobs and just randomly applied to be a receptionist at a care community. And it was just kind of something that was available. I did have interest in it, but I wasn't completely oriented towards getting into this yet. It was in the back of my mind, but it wasn't intentional. And then I go to the interview, and I I rave about art and music and animal therapy and having conversations. And they called me afterwards, and they were like, We don't think you'd be best for our receptionist position. We actually want you to be our life enrichment coordinator. (laughs) So I feel like I was drafted into my dream job. And that was like the big leap where I was like, oh, I'm doing this every day now. And from that point forward, it has been like, I've hit the ground running, haven't stopped since then.
0: Well, how nice that they, you know, that they could see that. And
1: how wonderful that they had an opening for that as well
0: at the same time. It it was, and, and
1: it really was and I had it had taken a bit to find a job down there. I thought I would find something in academic advising, which I had some experience in at the time, and it really was such a like window of timing that was so serendipitous and has completely altered my life. And I've I've told the woman who offered me the position repeatedly, I'm like you completely changed my life by offering that. Wow,
0: <clears throat> it is interesting how things um, just can take a turn, and we have no idea that they're coming. Um, but then, when they're offered, they just—it just makes sense. And uh, yeah. so, so yeah, I, we should all say thank you to her, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, for for helping you get into this space. Now, you often use verbs like empower, accommodate, support. Why are those words so important to you, and why should they um, be important to other people?
1: Yeah, those are three of my favorite words. I talk about them um an obnoxious amount. <laughs> um and I, I call it the Ease amendment, which stands for empower, accommodate and support everyone. And I I think of it as it's an amendment to this kind of traditional model of just care and control. Um a lot of care has been, you know, just control give basic care and manage behaviors has been a lot of it and that's shifting significantly and I think empower accommodate and support summarizes a lot of what we're shifting towards and it comes from my background in disability justice um, that for all people living with disabilities we're all humans who have many capabilities and we we don't always need to be cared for we need to be empowered and even someone who can no longer walk and talk can still be empowered can still be given choices and be recognized as a full person who makes sense, who has needs um, and who has strengths and a lot to bring to the world. So those three words, I, I circle around a lot in my work because I, I feel really strongly that um, that's, those are the forces I want to bring more of to the world, both for people living with dementia, for myself as an autistic person, <laughs> um, for anyone who um, is a human in the world
0: hmm Now, a disability justice, I have to say I have not heard that term before, and I'm kind of embarrassed yeah. because before <laughs> I was in this, which I've, I've been in the dementia arena since 2008, um, <clears throat> you know, and then I was in residential real estate for 25, but then for 10 years I worked with developmentally disabled. And is that a formal national group or local chapter or just a term? Because I think others might be interested
1: in that, too. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing attention to it, because there's so much more I could say about it. Um, And part of it is um, I'm still learning about it. It is it's a term um, that describes a movement and it's kind of a grassroots movement led by a lot of uh, people living with uh, people, people of color and people living with disabilities, um, LGBTQ people. Um, There are many powerful names in the movement. It's really collaborative, but it's, um, in a lot of ways, a, um, you know, we have the disability rights movement, and that's very powerful and important. Um, Disability justice is kind of an extension of that, of um, intersectionality and really recognizing disability, not just as something to, um, you know, give rights to, but also to recognize as part of human diversity. And something that can be a strength for people um also call, causes challenges um, but it's it's really a movement, and it's um, something I'm really excited to start learning more and more about and i'm I'm glad you brought it up because I, I do think it's something powerful to learn about
0: oh, wonderful well thank you um yeah I think that like I said, I think the more inclusive we can be, the the better off we we all are and the only way to do that is to gather knowledge and um, you know not be Not be shut in, but being proud of whoever you are with whatever you have, you know, because we all have something that's a little bit different from somebody else. And uh, so I think that that's that's a really important thing. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about your company itself in terms of what it has to offer people? So happy Mm -hmm. memories, elder support. You know, what does that really mean? And, and uh, maybe we should start out with why you picked the, the name. I always find that interesting. And then what do you offer?
1: Yeah, I, I love you, you bringing attention to the name. I, I love it so much. I When I was leaving memory care, I I never consciously thought about calling it Happy Memories. I just knew. Like I was like, it's Happy Memories. That's, that's where I'm going. Um, but the elder support took me a long time. Because I, I, I didn't want people to hear elder care and think that I was an el- or like a in-home care agency or just doing caregiving. I wanted that emphasis on support, that I'm there as a companion and um, there to support psychosocial, emotional needs. And so Happy Memories Elder Support was finally what I landed on to express that. It, it's still a work in progress. People still think, you know, oh, well, obviously you, you're just a caregiver, which there's no just a caregiver. Um, But it is, um, it's evolved over time to, um, at this point, I see myself as a dementia-specialized end-of-life doula, and I am specifically working with people to prepare to live fully. So I even work with people, which we can talk more about, there's a lot there, but I work with people who don't even have dementia yet, and maybe they never will, but they're scared about it, or they have family history and they feel like it's really likely Um, as well as people in early stages who are looking ahead further down the journey and they're thinking, I I want this to go as well as possible. I want to be supported. And making those preparations through the lens of my end-of-life doula training that we can prepare. And there's a lot of tools we can use, resources, education. And through those preparations, the rest of the journey can be better than it would have been.
0: No. no, a lot of people might not even know what a doula is, let alone
1: an end-of-life That's a good doula. point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can explain. So <laughs> I forget sometimes. If people are familiar with a doula for birth, um, a birth doula, um, like a midwife, supports someone through the emotional, practical, logistical labor of bringing a human into the world. And just like there's a labor around coming into the world, there's a labor to leaving it. And so end-of-life doulas are often known for sitting bedside is what we're envisioned as doing, um, that we would be there to support the person and their, their care network um, as they leave this world. And end-of-life doulas do far more than just sit bedside. And every doula that I know has a different specialty and focus. Um, and for me, it happens to be the dementia journey. So it's um, the kind of core work of a doula is to be a companion to be an advocate to um, help people find resources and feel empowered um, as they leave the world wonderful
0: now is there a certain time that somebody should call you in Um, you know we we know dementia is at this point it's a it's a terminal disease Um, at, at what stage do people call you in And and are there different stages in which you can help?
1: Yeah, that's such an interesting question because it's changed recently or it's become more clear. And, you know, initially I and other people thought that I would be doing consultations with caregivers and people currently living with dementia. And I recently have launched an end-of-life planning tool that is actually for everybody everywhere. And so instead of having people wait until they're in crisis and hire me to consult with them, I want anyone anywhere to start with this tiny little tool. Um, you know, it's, it's not waiting till it kind of snowballs to a point of significant need. It's having this in your pocket already. Um, that's a lot of my focus now is what can I give you to put in your pocket so that as you move forward, wherever you encounter dementia in your life, you'll feel more empowered and prepared for it. Um, So the the short answer is everybody everywhere can benefit from um, some of these tools. Okay. And when you say have it in your pocket,
0: is it something that can physically fit in your pocket and you carry around with you? Or is it just something, is that just a term that, you know, you're prepared?
1: It is both figurative and literal. Uh, One of the tools that I have, it doesn't technically fit in your pocket, but it is one page. And it is, I'm looking at mine right now on my wall. It is framed and Velcroed to my wall. And if something happened to me, if I had to go to the hospital, it could be pulled off my wall, taken with me to sit next to my bedside. And I've, I've heard from nurses who say, this is the information I wish I knew about someone. It's the kind of music to put on the channel that might want to watch the, com- the, the topics to mention. Um, you know, something like if someone's from Wisconsin Um, even if they can't talk, saying, oh, I went to Wisconsin once and it was really lovely, and you can see more familiarity and comfort in their face. It's all these little kinds of things that get forgotten in the whole, you know, process of moving through hospital, skilled nursing, memory care. Um, It puts that information right at the forefront so it's easily used by anyone who comes into contact with them.
0: Okay, and and
1: those things are so
0: important. I mean, it there and they're they are. they're little they're little things, um, but boy, they make such a humongous difference yes. in someone's life yeah. and comfort. And you know, we've got to get past this um, feeling uncomfortable about talking about death and dying because I mean, there's no way out of it, guys. It's going to happen. Um, so why not have <laughs> as much control and comfort in your life wow. while you're living? No matter you know what level that's at, and make it more comfortable for those caring for you too. I mm-hmm. think getting this information in in their um, others' hands it makes an incredible difference in terms of the comfort level um, of mm-hmm. those that are caring for you. So it isn't just about the person you're caring for. I, I, I anyways, I don't think so. I think there's a huge, huge ripple effect um, in yeah. in being able to talk about this stuff and know what they like or know what they want. I mean, even like I remember when when my dad was dying, people are like, Well, you know, I don't he doesn't want to be cremated and I'm like, Well, you know what, I, I I've had the conversation, you know, with him and mom, you know. And and there's so many yeah. things that we we don't talk about. And it's really important to know because otherwise you're beating yourself up or, you know, is it time to pull the plug? What What was the person's wishes, um, you know, to alleviate that guilt and all that second guessing that can go on can just be horrendous, um, you mm-hmm. know, for those for those around that are caring Um so in terms, of, um, in terms of tapping into, you know, your doula services, how does that work? Is there an application to fill out, or do they just say, hey, let's talk and meet?
1: Um, so I actually am completely doing MOMO Maths, um, which I forgot to mention stands for more moments. Um, and I have shifted back to that because this is information I wanted to have from every single resident memory care And every older person I talk to is like, oh, yeah, I am scared. I'm scared that I'm getting it right now. I'm scared that I'm going to end up in a nursing home or the hospital tomorrow. And so I have assessed everything I can possibly do as a doula, and I've identified that this is where the power is. This is where, um, you know, I can support the most amount of people to live the most fully for the rest of their lives. So instead of having 10 clients over the next, two years, I want hundreds of people to have a map. Um, and like you said, it's something that isn't just, um, for the, the person, it's for the relationships they have with people that their caregivers have so many more ways to interact with them. And there are things not just like favorite music, but what songs did you sing along to in the car when you were a kid with your dad? Um, or what did your mom make for you on a sick day? Um, and that kind of information gets lost. And so um, I know it sounds funny that I'm not using the full scope of my doula practice, but um, getting momo maps into people's hands, helping them make them, and helping them incorporate it into their lives, um, that's, those are the steps I'm working on. Because once they have that, um, I, I think as a doula, getting that tool will allow the people in their lives to be a doula to them that they'll be surrounded by more doulas because they'll have the tools to companion and support someone um through that time of their life and to have those those relationships and experiences together.
0: So this is something that they fill out themselves then that is like a downloadable
1: thing? It is. So it's a it's a um digital product is what it's listed as on my website that they'll be sent to PDF. Um, But a lot of people find much like, you know, you're talking about all the really intense end-of-life decisions, things like advanced directives, DNRs, those can be really heavy. And people find that any end-of-life document is hard to do. So I have – they can buy that and they can get it. They could have it one hour from now. They could fill it out. But a lot of people aren't that much of a go-getter and able to sit down and just do it. So I have map-making sessions is what I call them, where I will talk you through each of the questions. And within the end, by the end of the call, they would have that document um, and be able to give it to their loved ones. And then, like I personally know, whatever happens to me, I know that that's in my loved ones' hands. And they know that those are things I want in my life. Um, and I have them for my loved ones as well. And it, it brings a huge peace in the present and then also I um, know that they're powerful in the future when they start being applied and used in their lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So then um, in these
0: map making sessions, are those individual or would you ever group people together to go through those? Or
1: They are group sessions, yeah. Okay. Um, so okay. they are, um, and that's something people could get to. I, I actually recommend if you identified, if you're like, hmm, I don't think I would immediately fill that out. Getting the map making session at the same time so it's already on your calendar uh, can mm-hmm. be really helpful. I know as a as a neurodivergent person who I find steps hard to do, <laughs> if I mm-hmm. have it scheduled, then I'm more likely to do it. Because um, I, I love that a lot of people have gotten a Momo map, but they have said, you know, it's hard to actually do it. So the the map making is kind of where some of the magic happens. And it's it's really beautiful in those sessions. People will share at the end of it and they'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that I love this specific brand of soup from when I was a kid or that this part of my daily life, this routine I do every single day, like for me feeding my hummingbirds, that's so important to me. And you'll see people's eyes light up. They're like, oh, I can I can visualize this in my future now. And that's that's the magic that I see with the map.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, because you, you need you need some of that
0: hardcore legal stuff in there if you're doing full planning and stuff. But then you have to get to the heart set pieces yeah. that are so important and uh, so much so much of the time overlooked. You also, it looks like, have a five-week um, course that's called The Treasure Hunt. You want to talk about that, too?
1: Yeah, I am so excited about my treasure hunts. I found when I first started sharing maps, like I said, people wouldn't necessarily make one. And then if they did make one, they'd set it aside and be like, cool, I have that for the future. And what I want for myself and other people with disabilities and people without disabilities and, of course, people living with dementia is that we're using them in our daily life. It's a tool that it's great if you get dementia. It's also great tomorrow when you have a bad day. And so the treasure hunts are something where – you know, lately I've, I haven't been sleeping well and I'm using things off of my momo map to support me to sleep better. And that's the kind of thing we bring into the treasure hunt is what's a challenge you're facing and where are you able to use, um, I call them micro delights is what is on the the map. And they sound like small joys, but they're actually deeper than that because they're very practical. They're actually meeting these needs and helping accommodate us. And so a micro delight. Um, Like something I use, if it's hard to get up in the morning, I play one of my favorite songs and that helps me like jump out of bed. You know, it gets my brain to go, oh, okay, let's do this. Um, So those, those little things we're finding throughout our days in our challenges, not just as, oh, that's a small joy and we enjoyed it, but that's a powerful tool we use to accommodate ourselves and have a better experience of our day.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. And then you have uh, again the the power in the pocket section. It, it it says here that's a free mini course that's available to groups um, like senior centers and community groups or aging councils and you know I'm even thinking family councils, memory cafes. There's so many um, mm-hmm. different groups that I think this would be really really powerful for.
1: How long are those little mini, uh, is that little mini course that's free? Yep, that's a free just one hour session. And my dream is to go to as many senior centers as possible and like you said, memory cafes, um, family groups, really anyone. Um, and make those uh, there's a mini map that is uh this just three pieces of information and even those three pieces of information have a ton of power so you can start to see how those feel in your life and then you can do the momo map if you want to do the bigger one but the um power in your pocket it's the mini map and a couple other little tools that help people feel like oh i can i can envision this now and i don't feel like it's just this Dark pit of despair in my future. I can see myself dancing to a song in my wheelchair in a nursing home, um, and that that can shift our our whole being as far as it, it, it really shifts from that cowering and that crisis to feeling preemptive comfort.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, cool. Well, those those seem like really
0: neat um, tools and groups that kind of take the scary. Um, off a, mm-hmm. off a scary conversation, I guess is really the only way the only way to say it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much taboo that we have been told on, on various things. And it just is it just makes me sad um, that mm-hmm. that some of these really necessary, really important conversations, um, you know, have that taboo attached to them. And then mm-hmm. you know when you when you're able to kind of lighten the conversation, everything changes, and people are like, mm-hmm. "Why was I so afraid of this to begin with?" You know, <laughs> this is really important stuff. And then and then I would imagine you see a lot of people being advocates, going, "Other people need to know about this now," and and kind of helping spread the word. But um, you know, it's getting all those little raving fans out there to to kind of break through <laughs> the barriers that have been built up for for so many years. Um, so kudos to you. That's uh, those are really, really neat things. Now, do you have, um, uh, do you have other services that you want to talk about as well? Or
1: The Momo maps are the one I really want people to know that they exist. Um, like I said, I, I wish I, my residents, my friends in memory care had had that now. Um, mm-hmm. And, So that's the the big one, Um, but it it may be helpful for people to know I do offer something called From Panic to Power as well, and that's, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, shifting the scariness and the stigma to say, hey, there are people living with dementia, and they're really powerful advocates that we can learn so much from, and there's so much to learn about their experience, about the possibilities of living well new ways of connecting with people that maybe aren't based on logic and verbal communication. And then we also in that course make some of these preparations so that, um, that course from panic to power can, um, really shift us from panic to power and help us feel like we, um, we're more prepared for whatever may come.
0: hmm uh, And I love that term panic to power. I, I think that that's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know it's it's one of those things people just don't really think about um what's holding them back and because again, we're all kind of in denial you know when' when we're falling into that <laughs> rut of of reality and um getting to the other side so kudos to you for for um helping people make that make that shift um no, one of your one of the questions we had talked about. and I think we've already covered it, but I want to make sure. Um, and that is, were there any other offerings in in 2023 that you wanted to highlight?
1: Yeah, the the Momo Map, the map making sessions, and the treasure hunt are the big things. And that's shifted a bit since we had first talked um, you and I initially. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny having a, a, a business. Um, And you probably understand this, that a lot of times it's like a puzzle and you you think you're filling out one puzzle and then all of a sudden, you know, things shift and everything falls into place. And I feel like the the maps and the treasure hunts feel really um, aligned for me. It feels really powerful and um, I'm excited to explore that with people. So 2023 feels really, um, it feels like a treasure for me to find the treasure hunt.
0: Yeah, well, and I think there's a lot of shifting going on this year. Just about everybody I talk to is saying that they're they're feeling this shift in terms of Mm -hmm. what they're going to deliver or how they're going to deliver it. Or even,
1: uh, you know, there's a lot of
0: people, you know, changing jobs altogether and saying, this does not align with me anymore. And so I I think it's great that you're in tune with that. One thing I did want to ask you about was with the Momo Maps, when I'm looking at your website um, you know it mentions the value is thirty five dollars, but it says a self selected pay, and then you've got seven fourteen thirty five of forty nine and seventy. Can you explain that to people in terms of what that what that means in terms of their choice just to make sure that that's clear for them?
1: Yes, I appreciate you bringing attention to that. It, it is very important to me that whoever wants one can get one. And I didn't want, so I, I did some research and some talking with people and assessing the value. And 35 is more aligned with everything that went into it. And the, um, it's designed to have multiple copies given to many people, but I just want it in people's hands. And so Mm the $7 option, if everybody ever got it for $7, I'd be happy. Um, because that helps me pay the administrative costs and then it's in their hands. So, um, for people who see that if they want to, if they're able to pay the actual value of thirty-five, some people really want to pay a higher amount to get it into more people's hands. But the um, if people see the seven dollars, that is a completely legitimate option, and I want people to feel completely free to choose any of those options.
0: Okay. Okay, sounds good. Um, do you
1: are, are you a profit or a
0: nonprofit company? Some people might be asking that as well.
1: I am a profit, but I like to think of myself as an anti-capitalist practice more than a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I, uh, you can see in my work is that I, I don't do a lot of, I don't do any ads or sponsorships that may evolve eventually if it feels heart-centered, but as of right now, I am just operating to meet my basic needs. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I'm intentionally not maximizing profit. Um, but yes, I am a technically for-profit, not non-pro- non-profit. Well, and I think sometimes those titles just drive me crazy
0: because everyone assumes if you're a profit, you're making big money. And that's not always the case. Yeah. I'm a for-profit <laughs> no. too. And I have a very yep. big brand, but that does not mean that I have
1: a very big income, you know. And, well, and, uh, and especially it, because you're doing such heart-centered work that you're, you're connecting so many people like your your profit, in your reputation, and how many people you're connecting, and it's massive in that regard. And that—that's what I want as well. I want that mm-hmm. the impact more than the profit. Yep. Yeah. and and it's it is
0: interesting though that there is a, a definite kind of line between even who can you know like apply for grants or or even recognitions you know you can be government you can be academic you can be nonprofit but a lot of times the for profit are are pushed out and it's like there's a, there's a lot of good being done in the for, in the for profit sector just like there's some not so good things done in the other sectors you know no Very sector <laughs> no sector is perfect and i think it's you know about working together and really being You know, cause and purpose oriented, and um, not locked into um, the numbers so much in Mm -hmm. terms of you know that that bottom line, which you know drives a lot of businesses these days. I don't care you know where they're at, Um, and and I think sometimes it can lose the creativity of what's needed to really meet um, society's needs um, by not being open. Um, and a lot of times I think companies think they are, but I, I, just like a lot of people think they're very open. And then when it's kind of pointed out, but no, you, you kind of snubbed that person or you really didn't include them <laughs> in. And they're not even really aware that that's happening, you know, so much of the yeah. time. And I think we all have to just get better at being more inclusive, looking bigger picture. And, um, you know, we'll just be a better world, you know, all all the way around. Um, yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, who do you want to work with, and how can those people find you? Yeah. And that, and that might you know, be that might be both um, partnerships in work, and then those that are you know your true clients as well. So feel free to yeah. to answer either or both. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, one of the Ways, you know, as as you know, with businesses, they talk about a, an ideal client, things like that, which has always been hard for me. But it, what makes it really easy is thinking about the first resident I ever worked with and or one of the first ones. Um, and her name, which is not actually her name, but what, you know, the name that I use when I talk to people is Nancy. And Nancy was someone who was often overlooked by people. But she was lovely, and she was someone who we she and I really connected, and we love to just sit and listen to the birds or chat and walk or um, listen to music. and I want to find the Nancys, the people who may be overlooked, you know, um, especially women who are maybe still healthy and independent, but they'll be a Nancy in a memory care community in fifteen to twenty years and building those relationships now, getting to know um, people who are looking ahead at their future and want to continue being the wonderful, vibrant people they are right now and living the wonderful lives they're living. Um, so I, I really, I really want to find those um, Nancys or, I say, or Bobs, because I've known a lot of Bobs who are fantastic too. Um, and one of the ways I do want to find them, um, you mentioned people I could partner with, And I really think a lot about senior centers because senior centers are so full of vibrant, often still fairly independent and healthy elders who are looking ahead of the future. And I've worked in senior centers before where you have someone who's there and then they go to the hospital and then they're in assisted living and you never see them again. And I -hmm. I want to be building relationships there where people are prepared, whatever may happen tomorrow or five years or 10 years down the line.
0: Wonderful, and it it is funny when you said it's it's hard to define, but then when you you think of a person, it becomes much easier mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. to put that into a a solid statement because it is I I struggle with that all the time, but I can come up with people or situations that it's like that's what I want
1: to do that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Yeah, um, I. I run into them all the time too. I'll I'll just be out and about somewhere, and I'll I'll turn to my spouse and I'll say, "That's a Nancy," and not in the regard of like I want to have them in my business, but just like that's that's someone who I would love to spend time with. Like ju- they're just wonderful, and I can see what a strong, vibrant person they are. And um, it is you're right. Like it's a very distinctive feeling of like, oh yeah, that's those are the people I want to work with.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I remember having um, when I was working with the developmentally disabled, and there were so many people that were so afraid of many of the clients. And one of them, you know, she she had lost all her teeth. You know, her hair was kind of wild. She had the most beautiful blue eyes and the biggest, most precious smile, though. Just mm-hmm. absolutely, I just adored it. And she would come up, and she would hug people, and she would, what would she say, something like, you have snake's breath or something, but she had this big smile on, and people were <laughs> kind of scared, and I remember my stepson going, I I, I I, just, I can't be around her, she just scares me, mm-hmm. and I said, come on, we're going to mm-hmm. go back over there, and you're going to meet Adeline, and I'm going to tell you, she's one of my favorites,
1: and why,
0: And by the end of our discussion, you know, Adeline was sitting on his lap, giving him a hug, and he was like, I get why you love Adeline now, because she was just so full of love and joy. I mean, that's really all that was in her. You never really saw her snap or get angry or anything. She was just pure joy. But because she looked different, she talked different, people pushed that away, and, um, you know, they didn't look deep enough to see her soul. And uh, gosh, I you know, I have, I, I still to this day, and I mean, this was over 40 years ago, I still have pictures of her that I can pull mm. out that just melt my heart. You know, when I yeah. think about her and, and so many of the others. And, you know, I, I just think of how many people are we missing out in our lives because we're mm-hmm. afraid because they're different, Um, and then they can turn out to be, you know, a best friend or a dear colleague, you know, or a wonderful client, um, or a neighbor, you know, or just somebody, you know, at the coffee shop doesn't really make any difference who it is or what level they are in your life. But, um, I think so often we, we, um, Build those fences and those those barriers instead of breaking them down and, and reaching across the aisle and and getting to know somebody and I just think that that is a sad state that that our world is in right now um, and yeah. so it's lovely to talk with people like you that are are being more expansive and open and inclusive mm-hmm. and um you know realizing you know none of us is perfect <laughs> you know. Uh, mm-hmm. we didn't come here perfect. we're not going to go out of here perfect. That's just the way it is. you know this is a <laughs> this is a level to learn on and um and some people just don't want to take that on at all which is which is to me sad but um that just makes more work for for the rest of us to do and makes us more passionate mm-hmm. in terms of what what we're doing and and how we can do it um what is the way that our audience can, can help you in your business, Emerson?
1: Yeah. um, The, the thing I've I've said multiple times, the thing that I really want is people just to know about the mobile map. And so even, you know, maybe you don't get one, but just Mm -hmm. telling people being like there's this tool and maybe it could help us in our futures. Um, And so sharing that, that's the thing. There's, there's so many hard end of life documents, but, This one is fun. It's almost like a personality quiz and Mm -hmm. it can help us today. And so that's, that's the thing that I really like. My heart has been sitting with the moment maps for years now. It's been wanting them out in the world. And that would be the biggest gift is just for people to know that they exist and share them with other people. Um, And those are, um, they're available now at makinghappymemories.com. So, you know, telling people to go there, checking it out yourself and then, like we talked about, if there's groups who want to share them, they can reach out to me. I can share them in that setting, too, in the power in your pocket. Um, it is something that I just really want to, you know, share everywhere. I want to go hand them out on the street to everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do speaking at conferences and things? I I haven't done conferences yet, but I have done some speaking engagements, and I I do enjoy those. So, yes, that would be – that's kind of on my – Professional bucket list is to go to a conference. It, it just hasn't happened yet with COVID. Okay, yeah, and, and
0: you know, a lot of them have cut back, and some of them have gone, um, you know, on the on the wayside to internet, which some people like, some people don't like, you know, all of that. But <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think you would be just a wonderful speaker. You're very comfortable in terms of what you're talking about. You're extremely knowledgeable, and like you said, you're heart centered in terms of of what your goal is. And and to me, that makes for a real engaging speaker. So if you're listening out there, you know, maybe this is something, too, that, um, and and I don't want to force your hand in this, but, you know, maybe the mobile mobile map is something that um, companies would like to use and do a a Mm -hmm. licensure with for their families as people enter um, their communities, you know, to help the whole family out, as well as the staff, and um, and again, I don't know if that's something you'd consider or not, and I don't want to put you on the on the spot with that. Yeah, but no, I think there I can, could be great value there. I can talk about there. that
1: for a little bit. Um, okay, that is something that's actually on my radar. You know, the Momo Maps are being launched right now. You know, on smaller scale, but it is it's even on my website at the very bottom. Um, I I want to do group rates. I want to get them as to as many places as possible, um, I do, I can kind of envision some of the steps. And one of the things is that I would want it to be an ongoing partnership, that it's being continually implemented and I'm we're checking in together um, on that. And so if anybody wants to partner with me in that, if you want to be one of the first communities that I, I do that with, um, it is something that I, I envision doing. Um, I will say I was, I worked in, memory care during a COVID outbreak that was very traumatizing to me so I am very trepidatious around the big companies but there are some wonderful smaller communities that I can definitely see this going into and then if it you know gets bigger and gets into the bigger ones um, that's great too but right now yes I would I'm open to partnering with with smaller communities oh cool well, that sounds wonderful, and I think it's really important. Um, I think
0: COVID has brought about more partnerships because dollars are tighter, staff is tighter. I mean, everything. We just have to tighten up, and we have to work better together. And so, instead mm-hmm. of recreating something that you see is good, you know, work with whoever develops that, and and have mm-hmm. a broader, you know, footprint. Uh, that's. That's my belief anyways. But, um, yeah. well, this has just been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to cover?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. And I feel like you asked such thoughtful questions and sometimes asked questions I didn't even realize were good to answer. And it's just been wonderful to have that conversation with you and talk about so many important things. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, I
0: appreciate your time today. Again, people can um, reach you by going to your website, makinghappymemories.com. They can also email you there at emersonlee at uh, makinghappymemories.com. You're also on Instagram um, as Let's Make Moments and on Facebook as Happy Memories uh, Elder Support. And then are you comfortable giving out a phone number? Some people are, some people aren't. So I always like to ask that yeah. before, I, before I state that.
1: Yes, I have I have a work number set up specifically for that. So people can call and text me anytime. Um, so it's 360-972-6076. And I, again, I appreciate that you brought that up because for some people, we know they're not going to go on a website or on a social media platform. And if they want to call and talk to me, or however, whatever works for them, um, I want to reach them in that that platform. Meet them wherever they're at.
0: Well, that's that's nice. I I don't give out my phone number not because I don't want to, but I just get so many spam and prep and calls mm-hmm. <laughs> that I just don't give yep. it out. And so I I will once I connect with people online. So. I should just uh let people know that's kind of how I work. I'm not I'm not trying to be a snub. because I, I, I love it. Well it's on the just phone. how the
1: Yeah, it's how the world is these days, you know, it's it's all shifting. So, um, you know, I always think people might want to use the phone and then everybody has figured out Zoom and is more tech savvy than I am. So I think that's just how they are now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Zoom is Zoom is nice and easy and it's wonderful when it works, but every now and then they do upgrades. I was on it the other day and uh one, it seemed like every meeting, one person had multiple people, kind of a strip over their head with multiple people flying in. They were all within our group, but they were all black and white. But I'm like, gosh, if anyone, you know, has epilepsy, this is not good. You know, we <laughs> need to turn this, this video off yeah. because it was just so hectic and stuff. But that, too, will, I'm sure, work. they'll work the bugs out of that and stuff. So, um, <laughs> and, and social media and technology is forever changing you know, so it's one of those things we have to get used to, and people are like you said very specific on how they like to communicate. I know my my daughter's in her mid thirties, and I mean, gosh, you know, rarely does she answer the phone or listen to her messages you know it's it's text me, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> And stuff, and same with emails and and things. So everyone's a little bit different. And, again, another reason we have to be more inclusive and open-minded And our way isn't always the only way or the right way. Um, There's much to learn from from many people. So, again, Emerson, thank you so much for your time today and the work that you're doing to make the world a better place. I really do appreciate it. And I'm sure our, our audience does, too. Again, for our audience, please like, click, and share, you know, and um, check out the mobile map and see what you think. It looks really interesting. And, again, if you're looking for an end-of-life doula, you know, Emerson offers a lot of really cool practical things that will make not only the person's life with dementia better, but but yours for those who are are caring for them Mm -hmm. and love them as well. So... Um, until until next time, uh, we will talk soon, everybody. Bye-bye.